Monday morning and winter has reappeared in much of the province. The good news is it's short-lived, although we've got a winter storm warning happening right now for a big chunk of the province. Within the next day, it should work its way out of the system and we get uh, mild temperatures back by midweek. What we've watched with horror and disbelief as the war in Ukraine has been surging on over the last couple of years. It's been two years as of Saturday that Russia launched that unprovoked attack on Ukraine. And many of us watch and think, oh, I wish there was more I could do. And then there's someone like Paul Hughes, a former Saskatchewan farmer who decided to move to Ukraine after the war started to provide humanitarian relief on an ongoing basis. And Paul Hughes joins us this morning from Ukraine. Paul, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me on the show. I let's, appreciate that, Evan. Let's start off with where you are right now in Ukraine. I'm in uh, uh, the second largest city in Ukraine, a uh, place called Kharkiv, and it's in eastern Ukraine, about 40 kilometers from the uh, Russian border. Wow. And so what what was the, the motivation that drove you to head over there now over 600 days ago? Well, I, I like uh, like your listeners and like all Canadians and people around the world, we saw the invasion and uh, of a sovereign country of a free country, and they uh, and I, I immediately uh, wanted to do something. I didn't know what to do, and it, I just I just saw somebody being a bully that was uh, trying to trying to um, trying to harm. Uh, a freedom-loving country. You know, I think about, I, I feel like I had that same reaction. I think you're right, thousands, uh, millions of Canadians had that reaction, but very few pick up everything and say, I'm going to go over to Ukraine and I'm going to live there and I'm going to try and make a difference. What drove you to go to this extra significant step? Well, I think it was the time in my life uh, where I could actually do something like this. Not everybody can can do this and, and you know spend two years in another country during a war. Um, but I, there was just something that that with that that just I, I felt really compelled. Many people I speak to here, uh, I ask them the same question, Evan, and um, they just feel like they were drawn to to Ukraine to help. It just it, it was such a monstrous uh, uh, violation. Uh, of sovereignty and freedom and uh, I think it's happened in the history of, of, of mankind that people go and help people during conflicts like this and so uh, I think I'm I'm part of that I'm sure I'm sure Hemingway could express himself a lot better but yeah yeah I just it's, I just felt really compelled it's impressive stuff and and you're not over there alone I understand your son is over there as well tell us a little bit about him and the work that you're both doing yeah, his story is quite unique. Uh, he's 21 years old. He came over here when he was 19. And um, he's down in Hurson now, running uh, hugs down in Hurson and helping out down there. And he uh, he's, a, he's growing. He's growing. Uh, you know, and in time, he's been here almost 600 days himself. And he's, uh, he's gone. He's a man. He's a young man. He's, he's, um, he's a leader. And uh, he's helping Ukraine. He helps Ukraine every day. He gets up every day and he works and helps helps Ukraine. He he's involved in humanitarian efforts down there. And uh, it's you know anybody anybody who's got a, a child and you see them doing good things and helping people, it uh, it just makes you so proud. 
We're talking with Paul Hughes this morning, who is uh, ties to Saskatchewan, a farmer for many years in our province, now living in Calgary, but has basically moved to Ukraine, has been there for the better part of two years. Paul, tell us, what do your days look like? What are, what are you doing day-to-day in Ukraine? We're a humanitarian organization. Uh, we also run a garage. So uh, when we first came here, there was lots of uh, missions. We've done 300 missions and uh, we were driving all over the country with uh, aid. I mean, uh, everywhere. We I've been to every every part of Ukraine, and then uh, we, we we decided that you know um, between missions there's some downtime, and I'm not a very good downtime guy, so I wanted to keep busy. So we started a garage. So we're in the garage every day fixing vehicles. There's the roads here are you know they're pretty. They're, hey, whoa. Saskatchewan, anybody driving on Saskatchewan roads and you hit a pothole, just be thankful it's not a thousand more. So there's just potholes inside of potholes here. So a lot of vehicles uh, are, are damaged, and uh, especially the guys at the front and anybody who's going up, uh, you know, near the near zero line to assist, uh, they encounter some some pretty uh, sketchy sketchy roads. So the the garage is busy. Well, of course, the garage brings a whole bunch of other people in here. We also have the warehouse where we keep our humanitarian aid. And so there's missions going out of here all the time with, with people with humanitarian aid. So it's a real, uh, it's, a, it's a hub. It's a hub here in Kharkiv for your international volunteers. We've had over 40 international, um, 40 nationalities represented here. And uh, we've been going for 18 months now in Kharkiv. Um, and so, yeah, it's a, it's a really good project. And uh, we get super, we, we, we get a very good social return on investment. Paul Hughes is my guest this morning. How have you been received? I imagine Ukrainian people quite appreciative to see you there. Uh, it's almost got to be comforting in many ways. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Way, exactly. Uh, you know, you, you come over here to help people, and you're you know distributing food and clothing and medicine, um, bedding, uh, any shelter materials. But you know, then people see you, and and even the item you're bringing. Uh, it's almost like they're happier to see you than the item that you're bringing to help them. Uh, because as I think I, I, uh, Ukrainian people are very inspired by us as we are inspired by them. But just to see another country and people are, you know, often people will say, what are you doing here? Like, there's a war going on. You shouldn't be here. And it's like, well, I'm helping your country. And um, Canadians believe in freedom. We fundamentally believe in freedom. We are a sovereign country. And I mean, it means many different things to people in Canada these days. And I know that that word's, you know, bandied about in a lot of different circles. But here, freedom is freedom. Their their freedom is being attacked uh, with missiles and artillery and mortar and, uh, you know, everything that that the Russians can throw at them. So uh, they're defending their freedom, the truest sense of defending freedom. Paul, I, I can only imagine the uh, the smiles, the handshakes, the hugs. But on the other hand, you've been there for the better part of two years. I'm sure you've seen some some less than desirable things. Can you talk a little bit about those experiences? <clears throat> yeah, well, uh, a child crying, <laughs> uh, you know, in a train station with uh, hundreds of thousands of other people, and just uh, I, one one time I remember watching a child at a train station he was playing in the dirt and he had a rock pretending it was like a truck and and it was like like whoa i mean it was it was very powerful plus also you when you do go to the front near the front or the front you 
you see a lot of uh, damaged buildings, um, but there was one in particular, a school in Velikovyar. The entire school is destroyed. Uh, another community fairly close to the front, uh, the playground was just, there was a bomb blew up right in the middle of the playground. Uh, Borodian, a little town near Borodianka where a missile hit the soccer field and this big hole in the middle of the soccer field. And, you just, and then you see, you see things scattered around. You see people's lives that have just been blown up, and uh, it's 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 really powerful, and, and um, it's uh, it's it's tough to it's tough to see it's tough to see that, and then it just gives you more resolve. Um, but somebody's life life was destroyed, and you know in Canada we take that for granted. We just you know we, are, we have our homes and we're we, we do okay, and everybody takes care of themselves, and uh, yeah, a place to go home at night and, and lock the doors and. These people, they don't have a place to even go home. Their, their home is destroyed. Like, can you imagine, you know, a bomb dropping in the middle of Regina and blowing up a residential uh, apartment building, and more coming, and it blows up. And, and and you've had, over the course of two years, you've had something like fifteen hundred missiles strike your city. Hard it's to fathom. Hard to, to fathom. Sorry, I'm at a loss for words, but I am starting to just suddenly feel during this conversation that this it's been two years of this for these yeah. people. Humanitarian Paul Hughes, Saskatchewan farmer in Ukraine for the last couple of years. Okay, Paul, I want to get you to hang on. When we come back, the unbelievable story about being captured by Russian soldiers, the harrowing details of what actually plays out like a movie and the dramatic ending to that incident. When we come back on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Chatting with Saskatchewan farmer Paul Hughes, who packed up and moved to Ukraine during the war, to provide humanitarian relief. He's been there for almost two years. Okay, Paul, captured by Russians at what point? I can't imagine. Tell us what happened there. I'll try to make it you know, brief, but um, we've done a bunch of evacuations, and uh, a, a Dutch lady, Debbie, had heard that we did evacuations. So she contacted me. Her network was contacted to get a six-year-old girl out of Zaporizhia area. So she contacted me, and I said, yeah, I'll, of course I'll go down. I mean, anybody would, right, to, to help a child and evacuate a child. So uh, I headed down to Zaporizhia and then um, got the actual coordinates and then found out that uh, it was actually uh, on, on Russian-held territory and occupied territory, and uh, there's pretty well no way I'm going to get down there without crossing paths with Russians. And, uh, yeah, so to make a long story short, I went to a blog post. I was with a packet of uh, Ukrainian people, and once the Russians drove by my vehicle, because they just check all the vehicles, they jump in this old um, beat-up Lada thing that they're driving down the road. They see the Canadian flag on my vehicle. They slam on the brakes, and they jump out, and, yeah, I was instantly detained. I was taken to um, a town called Vasilivka. I didn't know where I was going at all because my head was forced down. And uh, he drove, he kept pushing my head down as we were driving. So I didn't really know where it was, but it was a town called Vasilivka, and I was in some, it looked like some kind of a, a bank or something that they'd taken over, a bank lobby, and turned it into like a makeshift interrogation place. So you know, I was interrogated. They, they thought I was a spy. They, I was in the Princess Patricia's Canadian Line Infantry. Go, Regina Pats, go. And um, they found my regimental coin for PPCLI. But they saw my, found my jump wings and they thought I was a spy. And then I had to tell them my stories about the Cold Beer War. Yeah, I was just, it got really, got really quite carried away uh, trying to prove to them that I was, wasn't a spy. But as soon as they, the guys got the, they got quite excited. 
as soon as they found that stuff and you know the weapons were kind of like ready to go a knife came out and lots were, of were you gestures. were you scared paul were you scared was i scared <laughs> <laughs> like i can't even imagine you're telling this story this sounds like a movie and you know they're holding your head down like i i cannot even imagine what would have been going through your head through all of that oh i i i was in over my head yeah i realized i had made a very very serious error in judgment and uh yeah i thought that the gig was up i really thought that that was I really thought that was it. That was the end of it. That was a good run, of course, you know, but uh, I thought this was all over. I'm with the Russians, man. I What the hell was I thinking? Because it was a, it was a harsh reality. I mean, I thought, okay, I'm a Canadian. I'm a humanitarian. I'm trying to get a six-year-old child. You know, they're, they, 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 they got to understand that. No, they don't care. They could care less. So, yeah, uh, as it turns out, it was held around... Well, seven hours into it, it looked like, you know, things were going to get really ugly. And then this big guy comes in. He's got his body armor on. He's got his uh, field radio with him. And uh, he's in a rush. And he comes in. And they talk a little bit. And they look all, keep looking over at me. And I'm like, oh, this guy's huge, man. He's This is the guy that's going to just, you know, cause some damage. And so he pull, grabs a chair, flips it around like the classic in a movie kind of thing. <laughs> like flips it around and leans on the on the rest of the chair and um and he he speaks english to me and he says he says uh so you're from canada yep what do you do in canada and i have a horrible russian accent but i said it well i'm a, I'm a farmer back in canada and uh, he's oh i'm a farmer and all of a sudden we started to connect over talking about farming and he's like what do you grow and you know we started talking about potatoes and pigs and you know, um, just uh, anyway, there's some something was going on, and he seemed it seemed to kind of chill out a little bit and calm down, and he was pretty intense to start off with, and uh, you know that can go either way. I mean, you're an ex police officer, and so those sometimes people can be really cooperative yeah. and can be friendly, and then it can just go sideways so quick. And um, and I didn't, I still didn't, I still didn't know what. what so he asked, then he asked me, you oh, from Canada? And he's kind of thinking, he goes, do you like hockey? And then, you know, I'm thinking about that Jughead song. I'm like, do, you, do, do I like hockey? <laughs> and it, but, it, 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 but it, I just going, yes, yes, I, 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 I love hockey. Yeah, Canadian. And he's like, who's your favorite hockey player? And I'm like, oh, Russian hockey player. Russian. Uh, Ovechkin. And he's like, Ovechkin? Ovechkin is a Ovechkin <laughs> player. And I'm like, oh, and I go, oh, uh, uh, oh, Trechek, Trechek? And he's, oh, Trechek, Trechek, good, Trechek, good. And he's all happy again. It's like, whoa, you know, Vetchkin almost got me killed. So, um, <laughs> oh, my gosh, Paul. Uh, yeah, so yeah, that, uh, that then uh, then he asked me about, you know, do you want to smoke and uh, or do you smoke? And I'm like, yeah, I, I smoke now, yeah. I smoke. <laughs> so, yeah, so we, we went outside, and it was just him and me, and all of a sudden it was like I was like, you know what? I think I might got it. I might have a chance here. Like there, it's just me and him outside. Like I could maybe run away, you know, or whatever. Or anyway, they they obviously something had geared down significantly. So he uh, he said that he would uh, give us he would give me everything back and that I would be able to go and that he had he had to go back into the field and so I I shook his hand and uh, you know the guy showed me some compassion. Wow. You know he saved my life. Could have gone the could have gone the other way, but. 
Um, that's that's the that's the the short version of it. There's a couple a bunch of other little things in there that are kind of sketchy, but I think uh, I think you get the gist. Absolutely of it. amazing. I, I I can't as you're explaining it. I'm literally picturing it like it's a movie, and I can't imagine that now that's part of your your life story. You mentioned PPCLI as uh, part of your history. You'd served in the in the military. How did that prepare you? Not not necessarily just the interaction with the Russians in that case, but but generally speaking, what you're doing over there. Anything you draw from your past military experience to what you're doing now? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I'm uh, I'm very thankful that I had uh, the opportunity opportunity to serve my country and with the Patricias, and um, I, I learned so much. Um, I was deployed to Germany for a couple of years. I skied on the biathlon team. I got my jump course, you know, um, it was really, I, I've got friends to this day uh, that are still with, uh, with the Patricias. And once a Patricia, always a Patricia, of course, but uh, I learned so much. And I, I just, just working together really as a team, you know, I'm, a, I'm a, a old hockey player and a coach and, and uh, you know, in the military. And so, you know, I come here with, you know, a little bit of not regimentation, but just have an understanding of how basic things work in these types of environments. So when you get into conflict and uh, chaos, uh, anybody with any kind of military or team background, you know, the leadership qualities usually um, usually come out. So and just the logistics as well. There's For massive sure. logistical uh, challenges here, massive, massive logistical challenges, which, you know, the Canadian military, we don't shy away from that. We got to get things into the high Arctic, you know, we got to get things into mountainous terrain. We can do it and we learned how to do it. And so I just apply it here. So chatting with Paul Hughes this morning, humanitarian from Saskatchewan, who is in Ukraine, has been there for the past 600 plus days. Paul, before I let you go, do you see an end to this anytime soon, both for the war and the country of Ukraine and for yourself? What's your plan? Uh, I, I, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, I don't see an end right now uh, at all. Um, and uh, for myself, uh, we have now been here for two years. So anybody who's, um, you know, established any kind of an organization after two years, you have your entire network has been built up. I was very ineffective here when I first came here. Um, but now after two years, we know people, we know the train uh, in every sense of the word. Um, we understand the challenges that we're facing. Um, and uh, we're going to continue doing what we're doing. Now is not the time to leave, not after investing two years. Um, you know, for you kids out there, <laughs> you know, stay in school. So, uh, you know, it's the... It's after two years. It's 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 now we're now we're starting to see the real return on on our efforts. So I I don't plan on leaving here. It's like tapping a um, fireman on the shoulder and saying, you know, hey, uh, when are you going to uh, go home? And he's like, well, I'm fighting a fire right now, so I'll, I think I'll just keep doing that. So, you know, you go home when the when when the job's done. And I just don't feel as a Canadian right now that the job's done. I I think that we have a lot more to offer. And uh, we're going to continue and we're going to fulfill the mission. We're going to finish what we started.
Good for you, Paul. This is uh, this has been such an incredible talk, and you know, I mean, to, to say that we appreciate what you're doing, I, I don't think really justifies how much you have given. Um, and I know you do it because you want to do it. You do it with a sense of pride and a sense of calling. But uh, on behalf of of our province and and of our country, thank you for representing us so well. And uh, you take care of yourself, your family, your friends over there. And I hope that we can check in with you again soon uh, when we say that this thing is wrapping up and you're able to come back home thank you thank you so much um it's really really good to talk to you and speaking of finishing missions that story with the russians when they let me go i still had to go find that little girl i managed to find her and i managed to get her to uh, the polish border and uh, her mother came down from holland and picked up picked up the little girl and they were they were reunited and we stay in contact to this day and and she calls me her Canadian Superman. Mm. So it's uh, it, it, that that story ended well. Let's hope. Let's hope that this war ends soon, and let's hope that this uh, this ends well. As- so much admiration for Paul Hughes, Saskatchewan farmer turned humanitarian, moved to Ukraine during the war, continues to serve while the bombing and the invasion continues. And it makes me wonder: Do you feel we are doing enough for Ukraine? I want to get your thoughts on that when we come back on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.